Good morning, friends. I had a little bit of uh, technical difficulty this morning, so I was not able to uh, record this message live. I hope you'll forgive me for not giving you a live message, but hopefully it is lively. After all, it is the living word. Started a message series this morning called God's Point of View, and our title for today's message is Seeing Yourself as God Sees You. Now, I'm going to ask you, have you ever been to a fair or a carnival or one of these places where you walk into this hall of mirrors and there's kind of a bunch of wavy mirrors, and as you look at your image, was it clear or distorted? Well, you probably found out that in some of them you look fat, some of you look skinny, some of you look all kinds of crooked. It was distorted because <clears throat> it was an imperfect mirror. Now, when you were growing up, people around you were your mirrors. They reflected back to you, and you began to see yourself. The problem is there are no perfect people, so many of the images you got back from these people were distorted. And as a result of faulty reflections, we have, you know, emotional scars. The question is, how do you get rid of them? How do you deal with the past? Well, I think the antidote is to see yourself from God's point of view. Jesus said, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so this one I'm going to share with you some things about truth. And see, when we learn to see ourselves the way God sees us, it makes a great big difference. So we're going to look at this truth. In fact, I'm going to put this under the category of five things God sees because of his grace. <clears throat> now, first of all, God sees us as acceptable. Uh, Titus in chapter 3, verse 7 said, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and he gave us the hope of eternal life. Now, it's been said that the number one hurt in your life is rejection. So when you're rejected by a, a parent or a spouse or a former spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a teacher, whoever it was, when you're rejected, well, friends, nothing hurts more. And as a result, we often spend much of our lives doing everything we can to avoid rejection. And that's because we want acceptance more than anything else in life. We want it from our spouses, from our parents, from our kids, our peers, our coworkers, our neighbors, on and on. Now, in fact, it stresses us so much that as someone once said, we buy things we don't need with money we don't uh, don't have to impress people we don't even like. So many life decisions are based on the desire for approval to be significant, to be recognized or to be accepted. And somehow we, we come to think that if I can just get everybody to think I'm perfect, maybe they'll accept me. But, you know, there are three things to remember here. First of all, nobody believes that. You're never going to be perfect, and even if you were, they still wouldn't accept you because acceptance is not based on perfection. And second, acceptance is based on another person's maturity and love. Now, Jesus was perfect, and yet he was despised and rejected by the people in his time. So even if you were perfect, and you're never going to be perfect, you would not ever be accepted by everybody. And third, the good news is that God settled this a long time ago. In Titus chapter 3, verses 5 to 7, it says, God saved us, not because we were good enough to be saved, but because of his kindness and grace by washing away our sins, all because of what Jesus Christ our Savior did so that he could declare us good in God's eyes. But some of you who have been Christ followers for a long time, maybe you still don't realize that God has accepted you. In your mind, you still try to earn God's favor. But God says, friends, you're good in my eyes because of Jesus. You're acceptable to me. Now, First Peter 2.9 is a great reminder to all of us. He said, you have been chosen by God himself. Did you get that? God chose you to be his child. And because of Jesus, he's pleased with you. 
Now, sadly, many of us grew up with people that were impossible to please. I mean, no matter what you did, you couldn't get their approval. So if you've had an unpleasable parent or parents or friends or co-workers, let me share two very important truths. First of all, if you didn't get their approval growing up, you're probably never going to get it. Now, why is that? Because it's not about you. It's about them. It's their lack of self-worth that's causing them to not accept you. I mean, hurt people, they say, hurt people. Whereas I like to tell people, let it go, build a bridge, and get over it already. Here's truth number two. You don't need their approval to be happy. According to Siri, and I did check, there are 7.7 billion people in this world. So I'm going to ask you, is it okay that two people don't like you? Well, I would think so. So stop trying to live for the approval of somebody who's never going to give it to you. Start living for God who says, I already accept you. Now, here's my second point. God sees me. He sees you as valuable. In Luke 12, 24, Jesus said, look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in the barns because God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Now, if God takes care of the birds, he's certainly going to take care of you because you're far more valuable. Now, I'm going to ask this question. What is it that makes something valuable? Well, there's two different things. First of all, it has to do with who owns it. Let me take you back a few years after Saddam Hussein fell. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but some journalists were arrested for trying to smuggle some of his artwork out of Iraq. And believe me, when I saw it, it's some of the ugliest, funkiest, stupidest looking art. Kind of like, you know, Elvis on velvet or dogs playing poker or pool. And, and by the way, if you have Elvis on velvet or dogs playing poker or pool, I apologize. But because it was Sodom's, people thought it had value. Now, let me ask you, who do you belong to? Well, you belong to God. You don't get any bigger than that. He created you. He died for you. He saved you. You belong to him. So imagine your worth. And second, what is somebody willing to pay for it? Well, let me ask this. How much is your house worth? Well, I know it's whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. So look how much you were paid for. First Corinthians 7.23, you have been bought and paid for by Jesus with his life, so you belong to him. So the greatest ransom ever paid, that's God's own son, was paid for you. So friends, the cross proves your value. The people who told you growing up that you're worthless, well, there's a word for them. They're liars. Now third, God sees me as lovable. Famous verse, you all know this one, John 3, 16, For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I hope you got that. God loved the world. Not just the beautiful people, not just the intelligent people, not just the cool people, not those who are religious or consider themselves to be perfect. No, it says God so loved the world, Greek word, cosmos, the entire universe. That means you and me and everybody the world considers unlovable. And Jesus then said, I'd rather die then than live without you. Now, that's the kind of love that God has for you. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 54, verse 10 says, The mountains and the hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end. So says the Lord who loves you. Now, let me tell you about two characteristics of God's God's love that you never, ever, never, ever forget. One of them is this. God's love is consistent. God doesn't have bad days or bad hair days. He doesn't wake up grumpy thinking, I don't like everybody today. God never stops loving. And second, God's love is unconditional. God does not say, I love you because. He says, I love you, period. It's not based on your performance. It's based on his character. 
He just says, I love you. You're mine. I made you. I saved you. I bought you. I want you to be with me for eternity. So you never need to ask yourself, is God going to love me today? Did I pray enough today or do all the right things? Well, friends, God will never love you more or love you less than he does right now because his love is consistent and it is unconditional. Now, fourth, God sees me as uh, forgivable. Paul, writing to the Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 4, Long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault, we who stand before him covered by his love. Boy, that's an incredible verse. And I know there's a lot of verses you could commit to memory, and I'd suggest that one. See, before God made you, he knew everything you were going to do. He knew all of the mistakes and the sins, and you will never, ever hear God say, I didn't see that one coming. After all, he sees it all. And the God who sees it all says in advance, I'm willing to forgive you no matter what. That's the good news. See, if I receive Jesus, my sins are wiped out. They are erased. And that's what God's grace is all about. And I'm sure you've seen that acronym G-R-A-C-E, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. What a wonderful gift. Now, unfortunately, we have a tough time believing it. Let me just give you a silly example. Let's say that some guy's got a summer home down here in the Ozarks and Brands, maybe overlooking uh, Table Rock Lake. He's driving his brand new car down. He has, has, son of a, hits an oil slick and his car slides off the road down this ravine. And that brand new car is totaled. Now, he himself lives through it, but he's all scratched up and bunged up. But slowly he climbs up out of the ravine. And just when he gets to the top, a fierce thunderstorm goes, comes through and he just gets totally drenched. So here he stands, soaked and shivering and beat up. Just in time to see a lightning bolt hit his Airbnb, his cabin, his rental home, and see it burst into flames. Now, he looks up to heaven. He says, why me, God? Why me? And he hears a voice from heaven saying, because some people just ticked me off. Now, that's a funny story, but it's not true. But it's typical of what many people think about God. They say, I must have done something wrong. That's why God's doing this. I mean, you go to Taco Bell and you order a beef burrito when you bite into it, no meat. And you think, what did I do? I mean, God's getting back at me. And meanwhile, some vegan who got your beef burrito is also thinking, what did I do? See, we're all confused about this. But again, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, starting in verse 25. I am the God who forgives your sins, and I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. See, God does not carry grudges. Now, you and I might. But God does not hold grudges. Paul, when he wrote to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, friends, take a deep breath and say, Thank God I'm forgiven because of what Jesus has done. Now, here's my fifth point. God sees me as capable. Again, Paul, writing, moved by the Spirit, writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. The capacity that we have comes from God. It is he who made us capable of serving the new covenant. You know, there's an epidemic of low self-esteem in America. Now, why is that? I think one reason is that you're continuing to replay those old tapes. You're living by what somebody said years ago. Now, studies show that the younger you were when you were rejected, the greater the impact it has on your life. Some of us had people in our life that cursed us with words like, well, you don't matter, or you're a failure, or you'll never amount to anything, you can't do anything right. So here's the question. How do you release a curse like that? 
Well, I'm going to suggest you don't do it by focusing on the curse. And you don't do it by thinking about how what they said all the time. And you don't even do it by thinking, I'm going to prove them wrong. Because you're still trying to build your life on a negative. So you do it by building your life on a positive. Focus on the truth. Start believing what God says about you. God says you are capable and I created you for a purpose. Now, I'm sure that you've heard people talk about how God sends his Holy Spirit into our lives when we trust him. The inmates of Angola, I learned this term, he's the resident president. Well, what does that mean? It just means that God sends himself. He gives us his strength, his ability, his, his insight. That's how much he loves us. Again, Paul, writing to the Philippians in chapter 4, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient through Christ's sufficiency. Now, psychologists say that the way you see yourself is largely determined by what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. Now, if that's true, I want to highly recommend that you make Jesus the most important person in your life because in him you are valuable, you are acceptable, you are forgivable, you are lovable, and you are capable. Now, I have no way of knowing how you may have been hurt, but I know you have because you're a human being. I don't know what people have said to you that hurt you or caused rejection, but I will tell you this, they were liars. So hear this, friends, and hear me well. God cares. And I care. The church I pastor, Restore, cares. We have a family at Restore that wants to help you get healed, to be restored. And it starts by making Jesus the most important person in your life and caring more about his opinion than anybody else. A prayer that I would pray is, Father, I just thank you that you can heal broken hearts and bitter memories and damaged self-esteem. Thank you that patterns can be erased and reversed. Thank you that you turn nobodies into somebody's. Jesus, I ask you to help people to begin seeing themselves today through your eyes of love. And friends, if you can write some of this down, I'd like to have you write this down. I want you to repeat these truths over and over. Simply this, because of Jesus, I am acceptable, I am valuable, I am lovable, I am forgivable, and I am capable. Let me leave you with one final blessing. It comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Brothers and sisters, think about the things that are good and worthy of praise. Think about the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and beautiful and respected. Do what you learned and received from the Lord today, and the God who gives peace will be with you. That's because you're acceptable. You are valuable. You are lovable. You are forgivable. And you are capable. That's how God sees you. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. God bless.